Welcome to Backyard Philosophy, a podcast where a couple friends grab some cold ones, sit around the fire, and talk about science, philosophy, and history. Crack one open, sit back, and get a good laugh as we discuss everything from automation to why the meaning of life is 42. What has a long history, can be scary as hell, and has been turned into slave labor due to corporate marketing? Elves! More specifically, Christmas elves. The elves that help jolly old Saint Nick. They have a long, weird history, but before reaching the elves in the North Pole that we all know and love, they went through some dark times. But first off, Nick, how you doing and what are you drinking? I'm doing good. I wish I uh, had a Christmas drink, but I am just drinking uh, Dead Guy Ale. Hey, nothing wrong with that. I'm joining you with some Irish coffee, but whatever gets the job done. So, Nick, we're going to be talking about Santa's elves, the festive, pointy, free labor elves. But before they got the corporate image that we all know and love, we have to talk about where do elves come from? The Hulindum Fork or Asalafar, also known as the Hidden Folk, another name for elves, come from Norse mythology. I believe the first documented account of elves in Norse mythology, like I'm talking about like artifacts or hieroglyphics, etc., etc., come from Scandinavia around 790 BC. But I'll have to be honest, when researching where elves come from for this holiday season, it was quite hard. Because Nick, I don't know if you know this, when you Google elves or the history of elves, online you tend to get some fictional elves not historical elves you get lord of the rings you get game of thrones you get everything but the actual facts and i can't believe that i just said when you google elves i don't get real elves i now realize hearing that out loud how weird that is coming out of my mouth it's probably exactly how dumb google thought you were <laughs> google google does not like me but Elves spread far in Europe if they all come from that Scandinavian area. They might have traveled through Viking raiding, trading, and pillaging, or all the cultures in Northern Europe share some ancient traditions. The elves are old, are nothing like we imagined during the holiday season, or any elves that you see in movies. If anything, I would say elves are more like gnomes and leprechauns from the movies than the legless shooting bows and arrows. And well, depending on the time period and culture, those gnomes and leprechauns are elves. Elves used to be considered tricksters and pranksters. They used to live in a place called Alfar. Now, Alfar, I guess the best way to explain it, is a world between worlds, almost like a mirage that only the elves and mythical creatures can roam. And through that, they can pop into their world and our world, and they like another dimension almost. And like I mentioned, elves were tricksters and pranksters. And honestly, elves are kind of dicks. If you're nice to them, they'd be kind to you. Like, make sure your crops grow. Make sure you have healthy children. But if you somehow slighted the elves, or the elves simply got bored, they would fuck up your life. And I'm not talking about, like, underwear gnomes where they're stealing some boxers fuck up your life. I'm talking, oh, that's a cute home be a shame if someone set it on fire. So needless to say, when something bad happened for the ancients and our ancestors in Europe, they blamed it on elves. They even came up with some terms and phrases for it. 
For example, Elf Lock. Nick, you want to take a guess on uh, what Elf Lock could be? Uh, locking your keys inside the house, something like that. They don't have cars, so I don't know. <laughs> An Elf Lock, which didn't know this event even happened, is when a horse's mane and a person's hair become tangled and knotted together. Which makes me wonder how often this happened when your hair gets tangled with horse hair that people come up with a word to describe it. You ever been to uh, Enumclaw, Washington? I have not. Well, if you have, you'll get that joke. (laughs) All right. Well, for anyone who's listening in Washington, please help Mike. Mike has no idea what he's doing. There's also another term that come along with the elves called Elf Mart. Nick, you want to try one more time for to figure out what Elf Mart means? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to guess. Maybe something about food getting stuck somewhere. Nope. It's just a baby born with a birthmark. Elves were just, just, just a phrase they just attached to everything from researching. There's even a German word because, like I said, it kind of spread it all over northern europe from ireland to parts of russia of modern day geography of course but there's a german word and again these are all difficult words for my little pea brain but albatromum or albatrom it's the german word for nightmare but its origins roughly translate to elf dream so if you have a bad dream you blame it on an elf yeah well that the Germans just invent words for everything. Like uh, a lot of, especially botany, a lot of spe- features that trees and stuff have. In America and Europe, they would just say, oh, well, that's, um, you know, the trees are leaning in the wind, providing g- warmth to their root structure. Germans like, no, no, we have a whole word for that. That's crumb holes. It's like, all right. <laughs> you know, you... All words are made up, so my might as well make up some more. Yes, there's a very specific word. Germans just named everything, especially when it comes to trees. So this doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> well, the types of elves and the different names for them might surprise you. There's another German word, the Der Alb. It's a elf or a type of elf. I'm not quite sure. But the best way to describe it is it's kind of like a goblin. They sneak into your house at night, sits on people's chests while they're sleeping, and compresses their chest to make it harder for people to breathe. So, it's easy to say there are some good elves and some bad elves, and hopefully you just live by some good elves. And not just personality and structure in a person's life do elves come from. Elves also come in different shapes and sizes physically. They come, as I mentioned before, gnomes and leprechauns were considered elves at one point. Elves are were also, one point, also considered fairies and trolls. And the size of them can range from an ant to all the way to the size of a human. Also, Nick, I was a little disappointed, but elves are also snitches. There used to be elves, well, I guess there are elves still today with modern Christmas, but there were elves to watch to see if you're naughty or nice. Sounds familiar during the holiday seasons, doesn't it, Nick? Yeah, who, who came up with that? <laughs> it's weird how we just keep copying the same thing over and over again with a new name. But the similarities from ancient elves to the modern Hallmark elves doesn't stop there. Some people used to put porridge with butter out for the elves, much like we do with Santa Claus with milk and cookies. Or put statues or representation of elves called totem on shelves. An elf on a shelf. Hmm, where have I heard that one before? Now, all this predates Christianity by hundreds of years, but I might be getting too far ahead myself, and I'll come back to readdress this. So... 
for hundreds of years, elves and the people that lived in that area had a complicated relationship, but it worked. Then came the flood of Christianity throughout Europe. The old ways crashed with the new ones. Complications and modifications of cultures slowly, slowly, slowly throughout time changed each other. Then comes the medieval ages and something nobody expects, the Spanish Inquisition and others like them. Yeah, nobody, nobody expects, expects the Spanish, Spanish Inquisition. Inquisition. I'm glad <laughs> this will be the third, second or third podcast where, once again, no one expected the Spanish Inquisition to show up. But that's the beauty, right? <laughs> they just keep showing up. Ugh. But with the medieval ages and the strong, well, the forcing of becoming a Christian was quite prevalent. So elves, this blasphemy evil thing, quickly got turned into demons. They tried to rename it. I suspect early Christians did this to help convert people of different faiths, help bridge the gap, so to speak. But elves pretty much got turned into angels and demons. Mainly demons, but some angels, because again, there are some elves in ancient cultures that help. And also a lot that want to do ill to you. But to the new Christians, pagan ways and rituals were considered blasphemy. And against Christianity, and that goes for anything the pagans do, considering celebrating elves or talking about elves. So for a couple hundred years, elves quickly turned into the bad guys. More like goblins and ghouls than Santa's little helpers. They got quickly turned into demons possessing people, or they're, they're the reason why you have nightmares and such. So now, at this point, you might be asking, well, how do we get asshole elves from Norse mythology to asshole demons in Christianity? So where, where are we getting our jolly red-cheeked singing North Pole elves? Well, that would be in 1823, when a short story came out depicting the elves as being helpers. That story was none other than "Twas the Night Before Christmas," and that changed the elves' image forever. I guess the elves got a new PR team because it helped them a lot. Oh, quick little fun fact: the original name for "Twas the Night Before Christmas" was "A Visit from Saint Nicholas." That was first published in Troy, New York, through a newspaper called the Sentinel. And the author of this famous story is unknown, and it was published anonymously. But whoever that author is, the elves definitely owe him one. And also, fun fact, in the early Christmas stories depicting what we call modern-day Santa and the North Pole, Santa himself is a type of elf. Like I said, elves come in all shapes and sizes. But making Santa an elf kind of helped drive the force that elves are good and kind. But that didn't really take them off. That just simply planted the seed. Elves started coming back into popular culture and more in the spotlight. Less evil and more cookies and cream in the 1922, when an art piece came out painted by a Norman Rockwell. And that, that was hitting the booster on the rocket on popularizing elves as Santa's helpers. Very quickly, within less than a decade, in 1932, Disney made a short film showing elves very similar to Norman Rockwell's painting of working in Santa's workshop. Just being there and being sent as helpers. The engagement of the North Elves in the North Pole just became deeper and deeper in our culture. So much that in the mid to late 20th century of, well, you know, us Americans, we like to commercialize Christmas. And elves came along with it. Well, I guess the best way I can say it is we didn't just commercialize it. We made full-on zealots of Christmas. And we started writing and making up our own lore that focused on elves. Giving them names and specific jobs like Santa's reindeers. Nick, in case you didn't know, because I sure in hell didn't, elves in the North Pole all stem from the children, or they are the children, of Gorlia and Lepolodi. And some elves have names, and I shit you not, names like Alabaster Snowball, 
He's the administrator for the Naughty and Nice list. Sugar Plum Mary, a.k.a. Merry Christmas, is Mrs. Claus's top assistant. Pepper Minstrinked, the guardian of the secret of where the Christmas village is located. And kind of want to bring back a little something I said. I want to address some elephants in the room on how much Christmas was stolen from the Norse mythology. Everything from milk and cookies to porridge and butter. But before I get into how Christmas got stolen to turn into Christmas, Nick, did you know anything about these elves' names? No, it really sounds like you took this straight out of a Candyland manual or something like that. Like, this is, this is, that's some Willy Wonka shit. I kid you not, when researching this, there's an actual debate and argument of, is there 13 named elves or 9 named elves? It's, it's an actual debate people have, and it makes me a little bit sad. For those of you who think humans won't argue about everything under the sun, see the debate between 13 versus 9 named elves. <laughs> it's, that's disheartening to me how much time we're focusing on. There are, I'm not kidding, Nick, so many Christmas slash lore sites dedicated to elves of the 20 and 21st century. Ugh. And we're forgetting how we all got there. It was hard to find any information on the Norse mythology of elves, or just the history of elves. Like I said, from milk and cookies, we our ancestors did porridge and butter. Watching if you've been naughty or nice, that was elves. That was way that was elves long before Christianity even started. And I don't even want to talk about the Christmas tree, which is from a pagan winter solstice ritual. And last but not least, I want to call some shit out. I want to talk about Elf on a Shelf. Elf on a Shelf was created, well, has been given creation credit to Carol Abersold and her two daughters. I believe they wrote, published a book on Elf on a Shelf in the early 21st century, and the family says they've been doing that tradition since the 1970s. People were putting Elf on a Shelf before Christianity existed to see if you have been naughty or nice. Now, don't get me wrong. Bravo to Carol and her family for updating and marketing the brilliance of an elf on a shelf but credit for the creation seems a bit too far for me i don't know about you nick but if it's something from ancient traditions and you just gave it a new paint of coat i don't think you should exactly get credit for it yeah and this is something that was amazed amazing to me so the movie elf when they're making that movie they almost had to redo all of the elf costumes because the original elf outfit from uh rudolph the red-nosed reindeer was under trademark so they legally could not have used that but they they got permission and stuff but and i was like i never thought about that that people had trademarked christmas elf outfits i did not know that and that that is a really weird weird fact it's so weird how elves went from fairies and trolls to the commercialized gylo creatures we know today and it seems like we are forgetting the ways of old and we're forgetting how we got to the point we are so with this holiday season just around the corner put out some porridge and butter so the elves don't tie your hair to a horse or instead of having a beauty mark aka a birthmark say it's an elf mark really throw people off there with your word choice let's make it happen nick yeah, I'll, uh, I don't know if there's any porridge in the house to put out, but we'll, we'll consider it. <laughs> well, now, Nick, you know of how elves went from kind of dicks to jolly little slave labor. 
It's uh, been a very long time for the elves. Yeah, but they live longer than us, so it doesn't really matter, right? I Well, that kind of makes it worse if you're a slave for much longer. But now they're slaves, but they're also heroes because they bring toys to all the little boys and girls. That is, that is true. And if you keep considering Santa Claus as an elf, then he personally, de- an elf personally delivers presents down your chimney. Nick, are you excited to see an elf maybe catch a glimpse of that jolly old elf coming down your chimney? That's the dream. <laughs> well, now you know about elves, which is something I never thought I would research or want to know. And now you know. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.